What good is a promise? So many get broken, remain unfulfilled, should never have been made in the first place or believed. For every promise kept, we can name two that others have broken, or ten we failed to keep ourselves. But God, when God makes a promise, there is no breaking, no failure, no maybe, no might, no probably. For what God has sworn, He will do. Well, good morning, sleep in service. Glad to have you here on this Sunday uh, at 11.46 a.m. People say, why do you keep saying the time? It's because people don't believe me that we're actually here live, but we are. And we even have a handful of people in the room today. So hi, Kyle, Missy, Tom. It's good to see you guys. Glad that you're here. And uh, we hope to be able to eventually get everybody back in the room, but we'll leave that to God's good time. 11.15, I got a question for you to start off. Where do you find hope in a world besieged with unrest and uncertainty. I mean, let's be transparent. As a community, we're facing racial tension, virus tension, political tension, economic tension, relational tension, and that all equals personal tension. So we're forced to ask some questions. What do I do with the tension? How do I stand up for justice for those feeling oppressed? How do I navigate my relationships in this crazy time? What do I do about COVID-19 conspiracy theories? Do I wear a mask or not? What do I do with Jesus followers that I'm supposed to be united with that suddenly go sideways on social media and comments just get really ugly really fast? What do I do with people who hold the exact opposite view that I have in every single one of the tensions that I'm feeling? I mean, it's overwhelming for anyone. Well, my prayer is that today as we close this series, that we will come back to the unshakable promises of God that Scripture says are an anchor for our soul that will hold us solid and unmovable right now. Last Tuesday, I witnessed an awkward conversation that began with a question. I was returning an item to Home Goods. Yay, my wife's favorite store is open again. And I passed a mom and her little son as I was walking into the store, and I heard the little boy ask his mom, Mom, are we going to McDonald's now? And she replied, no, we have one more stop to make at TJ Maxx. And I don't know what led up to that moment, but that kid flipped a switch and lost it. He erupted. And this is what he said. He said, you said if I wore this stupid mask that we were going to McDonald's next. You promised. That was last Tuesday. Last Wednesday, I witnessed another awkward conversation that began with a question. I opened my Bible to Mark chapter 10. A wealthy young man comes to Jesus and asks a question. Good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question. Here's the problem. The young man's not going to like the answer that Jesus gives him. Because Jesus is God. God knows everything. He knows that in this particular case, the man does not own his stuff. His stuff owns the man. And here's Jesus' answer. You're going to need to have a garage sale. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed that God often makes life and decisions tougher for people, not easier? I mean, this story is a great example. Jesus doesn't make it easier for this young man. He makes it harder. In just a single moment, Jesus confronts this man's idol. Now, before you judge him, I've got idols. You've got idols. We all have things that pull our attention away from Jesus Jesus confronts his idol, draws a line of decision in the sand. It's a tough example, this story of the rich young ruler. 
And it's a tough example because the young man makes the wrong decision. He chooses his stuff, and the Bible says he walks away sad. And instead of backing off, Jesus presses in. Don't you wish sometimes he would just take his foot off the gas pedal? He presses in and he starts talking about camels and needles. Famous words. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. I mean, ouch, right? That hurts. I've heard this preached so many different ways. Some people say, if you, if you own anything, then you're out when it comes to the kingdom of God. That's harsh. Don't agree with that. Some other people explain it this way. They say, so there was a gate going into Jerusalem called the eye of the needle. And a camel could actually get through it. But in order to do so, the camel had to get down on its knees, be stripped of its saddle and its goods and everything else. And then it needed to shuffle its way through the gate out of sheer will and humility. That's an interesting spin. You could tackle this story so many different ways. But I think it's important that we agree that there's two lessons that Jesus is teaching. You can't buy your way into heaven, and there's a cost to following Jesus. Jesus often makes life and decisions tougher for people, not easier. That's just a fact. But here's the good news. Whenever God pushes the tension up, he also gives us the gift of his promise in facing those challenges. So after Jesus talks about salvation, garage sales, camels, and needles, he answers a question. The question may surprise you because of the story. We often just jump right over top of it. But his disciples have been watching this interaction between the rich young ruler and Jesus. And, and, and suddenly they, one of them just erupts with a question. Well, if he can't get in with everything he's got going for him, then for the love of God, who gets into heaven? And that's where Jesus answers the question with a promise. The promise goes like this. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. That might sound familiar, and we're going to talk about some of the places where you may have heard that phrase before. Nothing is impossible with God. So we'll get to the promise in a bit. Just hold it in your heart. But, but think about it for a second. How many people in the Bible actually needed to hold on to that specific promise? The reason they were holding on to the promise is because there's another truth about God that some people don't like, but it's true. God often increases tension for people, not decreases the tension. And that's where it's important to know the promises of God. One more time. Let me give you three examples where God increases tension, okay? You've got Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'll do a summary of the story. Angel shows up. Hey, Mary, you're going to carry God's kid. Congratulations. It's going to be awesome. Oh, by the way, this is going to be really hard to explain to everyone, but it's okay. Nothing is impossible with God. If you thought you've heard that phrase before, that's exactly where it comes from. Angel talking to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Here's another example, Abraham and Sarah. Another angel shows up. Hey, Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation. Your kids are going to be more plentiful than the grains of sand on a thousand beaches. Oh, by the way, here's the challenge. You're old. And that's why your wife is cracking up in the tent next to us right now, because she thinks this is crazy. But guess what? She's pregnant. But it's okay. Nothing is impossible with God. Here's another example. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? No angel announcement to begin with this one. Just three guys in exile and slavery. And they've got a decision to make. An egomaniacal Babylonian king has erected a monument to himself and he's commanded the entire nation, you're going to bow in front of this particular idol or die. The three Hebrew kids say, we're not bowing. 
And this egomaniacal Babylonian king finds out what happens and he orders them to be burned alive in a furnace. In this case, the angel doesn't show up before the story, shows up in the center of the story. Some Bible scholars believe that this angel was actually a theophany, a presence, a manifestation of Jesus. Can you imagine? You're being picked up, thrown into a furnace that's on fire, and when you hit the ground inside of that, suddenly you hear a voice that says, hey guys, it's okay, you can open your eyes now. You're not dead. In fact, in a few minutes, you're going to walk out of this furnace and you're not even going to smell like smoke. (laughs) Oh, by the way, thanks for bowing and nothing is impossible with God. If you walked with us through the Promise Journal over the last 30 days, you ran across a devotional by Pastor Brian Behrens. If you haven't heard, Pastor Brian and his wife, Kristen, had a baby girl. Her name is Addison Joy, and she became a little sister to their other daughter. Her name is Brooklyn. They were watching at the 930, but I'm going to say hi to the Barron's family. We love you guys. Hope you're doing well. Pastor Brian wrote this devotional under the banner of God's promise to do the impossible. He said, rather than choosing someone noteworthy to carry the Messiah, God chose an unknown virgin. Rather than giving Abraham and Sarah a baby in their prime, he waited until they were impossibly old to fulfill his promise. Rather than pulling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the furnace before turning up the heat, he waited until the heat had increased seven times over, making it abundantly clear this was not a simple work of man. This was a bold move of God. This promise to show up in the impossible, to do the impossible. That's a bold move of God and we see it over and over again in the scriptures. I gave you three examples. Here's a couple more. How about the example of the Israelites and the challenge of the Red Sea? The Israelites are captives in Egypt. Then they have an opportunity to leave. They become fugitives. They're running from Pharaoh and he is right on their back and they don't just end up with their back against a wall. They end up with their back against an ocean. Nowhere to turn, no escape and there is tension in the moment. I can feel Moses' blood pressure going up as a leader every time I read this story. And then God shows up and does the impossible. He says, Moses, take a step into the Red Sea. The priests follow behind. And then the water begins to stack up on both sides. It's as if God shows up and says, hey, Moses, let's go for a walk. You want to see impossible? Watch this. Here's one more example. Probably my favorite. A guy by the name of Gideon. Famous story, another angel shows up. Some of you are already thinking, I hope an angel never shows up. (laughs) Because if an angel shows up in my life, I'm not sure what kind of tension God's going to introduce into my life. Angel says, Gideon, mighty warrior, go and pick a fight with the Midianites. For the record, the Midianites were tough, okay? And then God proceeds to increase the tension. Gideon starts with an army of 22,000. God whittles it down to 10,000. Then he whittles it down to 300 Warriors. That is humanly impossible to take on the Midianite nation with 300 warriors. And there's this great dialogue. Gideon asks the same kinds of questions we would have been asking. Why is God making it tougher? Why is God increasing the tension? Listen to him talk. Here it comes. He says, but sir, talking to the angel, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? That's a legitimate question. Why is this so tough if God is with us? I mean, where are the perks for being a part of the Jesus club, right? If that's what God feels like when it's God with us, then maybe I wish he would go and be with 
someone else. Gideon asked, where are all of his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of Midian. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been in the middle of an impossible situation and your question is, where in the world did God go? Why didn't he make it easier? Why didn't he answer my prayer the way I wanted it answered? Why does it feel like everything is a fight? Why doesn't God send someone to help? And then God starts talking. It's like I can picture him just walking into the situation, putting his hand on Gideon's shoulder and saying, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. And then comes the question. I love this question. Am I not sending you, Gideon? That's it right there. Is God not sending you? Just so you know, if you're walking with Jesus, you are never anywhere God hasn't sent you. Okay? If you're walking without Jesus, you can end up anywhere. But if he is with you everywhere you are, he has sent you. Gideon's not convinced. He keeps asking questions. But Lord, how can I save Israel? How can I save Israel. Gideon is an amazing example of somebody who measured his ability to serve God by looking at his own strength. And we do that all the time. How am I going to fix this problem? How am I going to survive? How am I going to do this great thing that God has called me to do? Well, whenever you come into those impossible situations, you have options. I listed a couple in your, in your outline if you're following along. When faced with the impossible, I have the option. I can, I can resign and withdraw, right? That's an option. I can say, I can't do this. This is crazy. I'm out. Imagine if the five examples that I already gave you where God increased tension, but they held on to the promise that God could do the impossible. Imagine what would happen if they opted out. I can't carry God's kid, Mary, I can't have a baby at this age, Abraham and Sarah. I cannot not melt in a furnace, three Hebrew guys. I can't outrun warriors and chariots, Moses and an entire nation. I can't defeat an army with only 300 guys, Gideon. How about us? I can't figure this out. I can't overcome my own sin. I can't beat this habit. I can't forgive myself. I can't be reconciled with this person or that person. I can't do this. And you know what? You're right. That's the key. You can't. I can't. But with God, anything is possible. How do I know when I'm resigning and withdrawing? I'll I'll tell you how I know. I can do it, or I'm doing it, because of the words that I hear coming out of my mouth. I hear myself asking questions like this. Do I have enough strength and power to accomplish this? Do we have enough money in the budget? How are we going to manage this huge problem? Can we handle the enormity of this task? Can we do it? And all of the answers end up with me saying, I don't think so. You know, when I'm thinking through the lens of I, me, and we, I'm relying on human strength. And when I live in the natural world, I always end up saying, I can't do this. But when I step into the realm of faith, 
When I step into the realm of faith, this confidence boils up inside of me. And what a great option to step into faith instead of resigning and withdrawing. Because when I resign and withdraw, I resign and withdraw myself right out of an opportunity to see God show up in unbelievable, impossible ways. Here's the truth. Human wisdom will not and cannot overcome the tensions that the human race is feeling right now. We need God. We need God's wisdom. We need God's heart. We need God's presence. We need God's peace. In any given moment of challenge, I have a choice. I can resign and withdraw. I can pull back. Or I can stand on the promises of God. This is the one I've been standing on for the last couple of weeks. Nothing is impossible with God. That's what Jesus said. Every one of these promises we've been kind of taking apart with four words. The four words are no internalized declare and share. Let me break it down according to this particular promise. When I know in my brain that God loves the impossible, that he shows up in the impossible, that he loves to to empower his kids to take on the impossible, when I know that up here and then I allow it to drop down into my heart, when I internalize the fact that I'm not supposed to be living in the realm of the natural world, but I'm supposed to step into the supernatural part of the world, when I'm supposed to leave natural behind and live in the world of faith, when I know that way down here and then I internalize it in the depth of my soul, it allows me to declare against spiritual warfare. I can say things back to the devil. I can say, you can't stop me from knowing or believing that God can do the impossible. I mean, my Bible is full of examples, so be quiet and leave me alone. And then when I know it, internalize it, declare it out of my mouth, I can begin to share my belief that the God I serve, the God of the impossible can heal this country, unify us under Jesus, bring us together to learn and to listen, crush a virus at the same time and actually build something new. When I know that and can share that out loud, I can change my position and change my stance. If you are an old school church person right now, you should start singing several verses of standing on the promises of God. It's true. When I stand on the promises of God, I ask different questions. They're not about I, me, and we. They're questions like this. Is this challenge too big for God? Absolutely not. Remember Mary. Is my God too small for this moment? No. Remember the boys in the oven. Am I seeing this challenge through the eyes of fear like Gideon did? Or am I looking at this challenge through the eyes of faith? My God can do the impossible. If you don't get anything else, get this. My impossible is God's opportunity. Let me say that again. My impossible is God's opportunity, which also means this. God's promise is my possibility. My impossible is God's opportunity. God's promise is my possibility. When I went to school, I loved history, English, geography. Those were my favorite kinds of subjects. What I didn't like, not big on math and sciences. I'm glad there are people that love that kind of stuff. I've got a math teacher oh, right over here. In fact, my daughter-in-law just got her master's degree in mathematics. Yay, so good. She's a good teacher. I didn't know any of that stuff. <laughs> didn't make sense to me at all. 
but I've continued to learn over the years. In science, there's this thing called entropy. Entropy is a measure of disorder in any given system. And the universal law of increasing entropy states that every system tends to disintegrate into disorder or confusion if you just leave it on its own. I think we could say that. It seems like every system of the world that we're looking at right now, left by itself with human wisdom, just continues to disintegrate and unravel. There's a way to correct it, though, which is interesting. This tendency of entropy can only be reversed if an ordering energy is applied to it effectively from a source outside of the system. So I've been thinking about this question a lot. What's the ordering energy to spiritual entropy? What can come into a broken human system and help begin to set it back right again? For a follower of Jesus, it's faith. Faith to believe that when God says nothing is impossible, that that's actually true. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can actually bring right order back into the world? Do you believe that he can do it through you if you'll live not in the natural world but in the supernatural world of faith? Do you believe that with God all things are possible? Let's come full circle. Let's go back to that first encounter, not, not in Home Goods, but Mark chapter 10. I'd like to read you that story from the message, which is a paraphrase of scripture. But when I read it, it just kind of gave a fresh face to everything that we're talking about today. It says, as Jesus went into the street, a man came running up and greeted him with great reverence and asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, honor your father and mother. The young man said, teacher, I have from my youth, I've kept all of them. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. He said, there's one thing left then. Go sell whatever you own, give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth and then come and follow me. At these words, the man's face clouded over This was the last thing he expected to hear and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not able to let go. Looking at his disciples, Jesus said, do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? The disciples couldn't believe what they were hearing, but Jesus kept on. You can't imagine how difficult. I'd say it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for those who have it all to get into God's kingdom. That set the disciples back on their heels. They asked, then who has any chance at all, they asked. Jesus was blunt. No chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world, if you let God do it. Sometimes I forget that that little phrase, with man this is impossible, but not with God, all things are possible with God. Sometimes I forget that that statement was uttered in answer to a question, and the question was, so who can be saved? So let's be really clear. Can you get into heaven on your own merit? Nope, that's impossible. Can you get into heaven because your good is good enough? Nope, that's impossible. 
Can you buy your way in? Nope, that's impossible. The only way to get into heaven is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which means this. With God, all things, even eternity, all things are possible. Now, why would God do it that way? Why would he increase the tension for all of us right now? Maybe you're here watching this morning, you don't know Jesus, and you're looking at the fact that if you're gonna follow Jesus, there's gonna be a cost. Why would God increase the tension? I think it's simple. You see, when it's possible with man, man gets the glory. Think about it from the five examples that we used earlier this morning. If it had been simply human effort that pulled it off, If that was true, we could say things like this. Wow, that Mary, she's incredible. How she pulled off that immaculate conception on her own, I have no idea. That's amazing. Or wow, Abraham and Sarah at that age, wow. (laughs) Or those three boys, boy, in that furnace, how they dodged that heat, that was absolutely incredible. Or boy, that Moses, he must have been one amazing swim coach to get all those people across the Red Sea. And Gideon, wow, what a soldier that guy was. But that's not the way we look at those stories. If we did it that way, man would get the glory. But we all know the truth. They didn't do anything. The God of the impossible did. See, when it's possible with man, man gets the glory. But when it's impossible with man, God gets the glory, period. If you're watching today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'd love to give you an opportunity right now in the quietness of this moment to have this be your moment of salvation when you count the cost and then say, I want to make the right decision. For those of you who are discouraged, disheartened, hurting, you're wondering where in the world is God in the midst of all of this, I want to remind you that the God of the impossible is a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, and he's a light in the darkness. And that's who he's called his children to be right now, a light in the darkness. Well, we took a long walk through scripture today. We touched in the New Testament, the Old Testament, multiple stories and examples, but I hope in every single one of them, I'm hoping and praying that you've been listening to God as he's been tapping on the side of your heart saying, nothing is impossible if you do it with me. I can heal this world if you'll do it with me and my way. And so my prayer today is that each one of us will walk into this week knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that my God is the God of the impossible and nothing is impossible for him. So if you're watching today and this is your moment of salvation, I'd like to pray for you in just a moment. And then I'd like to invite you to do something. If you pray along with me this simple prayer of salvation today, uh, on some of the screens you'll see a little blue button that says, I raised my hand. We would love an opportunity to be able to pray for you and walk with you. But today... In answer to the question, what what must a man do to be saved? I pray that you would hear the promise of God. Nothing is impossible. 
It's not impossible to have your past forgiven. It's not impossible to start over again. It's not impossible to have your life rebuilt from the bottom, from the ground up. It's not impossible because nothing is impossible with God. Would you pray with me right now? God, I'm praying right now for every person who is making a decision. Am I going to live in the tension of trying to do life on my own or am I going to submit to the will of the God of the impossible? God, I pray right now in this moment that those who are struggling, fearful, unsure and wrapped up in the tension and uncertainty of this world, I pray that right now they would experience a supernatural peace and that they would pray a simple prayer, Jesus, save me. I've lived my life for myself long enough and I don't want to walk away sad. So right now in this moment, I give myself fully and completely to you and I ask for the impossible. Would you forgive my sin and wash me as white as snow? God, I thank you that in this moment as eternity hangs in the balance that we can choose to embrace you in the impossible task of salvation. And I thank you. There is nothing impossible with God. God, I pray for all those who may be discouraged, disheartened. This time in the world seems so filled with unrest and uncertainty, but I thank you that the light of the world has spoken into the darkness and said nothing is impossible with God. No challenge is too big. No obstacle cannot be overcome. No healing can be withheld. In the name of Jesus, all things are possible with God. So God, I pray that you would encourage us. Keep us strong. Keep us firmly standing on the promises of God as they sustain us today. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you were there for Mary, Abraham and Sarah, Moses, Gideon. Lord, would you now be there for us? And may we truly shine in this dark world. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, if you made that decision today, we would love to follow up with you. Click on that button right now that I raised my hand. I have decided to follow Jesus. We'd love to connect with you in the coming weeks. God bless you, everybody. I hope you have an amazing day. I hope that you have an opportunity to get outside. Um, I'd like to invite you to come and, and, and connect with us out at the Ministry of the Farm. I tell you, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to provide food into the food deserts right here in Whatcom County. Thank you again for your faithful generosity. Thank you for standing with us in this crazy, unprecedented time. And we so look forward to next week and hopefully in the weeks to come, an opportunity to really be able to connect once again as a church family. We'll leave that to God's good timing. And I want to remind you one more time, nothing is impossible with God. Thanks for coming, everybody. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you here one week from today. God bless. 
Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.